You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. This evening, we're going to start by uh, looking at a number of different passages If you want to open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, that's not where we're going to end up. That's where we're going to start. We'll be flipping a few pages. There are two men in the Bible that each are credited with five books. One in the Old Testament... Moses, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and then one in the New Testament, the Apostle John, the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. I wanted to read a few verses. John 1 1, the Gospel of John, he starts out In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John starts out with the same three words that Moses did in Genesis 1 1. Moses wrote, In the beginning, God created the heaven, singular, and the earth. So John follows along with what Moses did, trying to take the people that read this back to thinking about Genesis 1 to remind them that Jesus Christ is eternal. That is a very important doctrine. We will be getting into that soon. Revelation chapter 1, if you want to turn there, you may. The first verse says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. First John chapter 1 verse 1 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. 3 John, the first verse, he wrote, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. 2 John, the first verse, which is where we're going to be this evening. It starts out, The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all they that have known 
the truth. Let's pray. Our Father, as we approach thy throne this evening, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your peace. We thank you for loving us more than we'll ever understand here on planet Earth. We thank you for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be born of a virgin, to live a perfectly sinless life, to die on a Roman cross, one of the most difficult and painful ways to die that mankind has ever created. And he did that to save our poor, wicked souls. Father, we thank you for his death, his burial, and his glorious resurrection. We thank you, pray that if there's one here this evening that does not know your son, the Lord Jesus, is their personal Savior, today can be the day of salvation. We thank you for what you teach us, what you've written in your word. We pray that you would open our hearts to what we're going to cover this evening, and we thank you for the way you watch out, guide, and direct us, and we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The second epistle of John and the third epistle of John start out in the same format. They also end similarly to each other. Third John, there's three men mentioned in it. The first is Gaius. We don't know exactly who he is. He may be the pastor or an influential person in the church, maybe one of the deacons. But John writes a personal letter to Gaius. And then there's two other men that are referred to in that epistle. Diotrephes, paint a big trouble over that one. And Demetrius, who is an excellent example as Gaius is. Gaius and Demetrius in 3 John are two men that are mentioned by name, and I think that part of the thinking there was to counteract Mr. Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence. He wants to run everything and to show two good godly examples of good godly men. Here in 2 John, he writes, The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. Have you ever stopped to count the number of times the word love is used in 2 John? It's four. Did you ever stop to count the number of times the word truth is used in 2 John? 
That's five. Those are two important and key words in this epistle. But I read the first verse from each of the five books that John wrote. Notice anything? How many of them do you see his name show up? Revelation 1.1, that's it. In 2nd and 3rd John, he refers to himself as the elder. In the Gospel of John, who does he talk about? God. He talks about Jesus Christ. Looking over those five books and the verses that I read from each of them, I had to ask myself this past week two questions. First one, how often do I talk about the Lord Jesus Christ in my everyday life? Whatever it is, we probably need to do more of it because there's a good chance that most of the people we come into contact, I am a rubble site attendant. I work for the city of Canton. I've been doing it for almost three years now. And we haven't had so many lately, but uh, I can remember when I started in the summer of 2018 and into the fall, especially on Saturdays, we had a lot of Saturdays where there was 100 or 150 or more cars came out to the rubble site. And as a rubble site attendant, I have to speak to the people in every single vehicle. Did I tell them all about the Lord Jesus? No, that's uh, unfortunately not what I have done. I am working on it to improve it. We need to talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, the second thing in the question that I ask myself from this is, do I talk too much about me? Uh, probably we all would have to answer yes to that one. We do spend a lot of time talking about me, myself, and I, don't we? Look at John. He doesn't even talk about himself in the gospel, and it's a number of verses later before he talks about a John. But it isn't him, it's John the Baptist. And in Revelation 1.1, where he does mention his name, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. He puts Christ first himself at the very end of the first verse. In 2 and 3 John, he just calls himself the elder. These are two personal letters to individuals. There are many men that believe that uh, the elect lady referred to here and her children, uh, they believe that that's a reference to a local church. I can see that and understand it. I think personally I would uh, be more inclined to believe that this is an actual individual because some of the statements in here are very personal that John uh, makes. And verse 12, 
he says, having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. So anyway, that's uh, my line of thinking on that one. John wants to meet and talk to these people. Probably by the time this epistle is, was written, along with Third John, John is probably the only one of the 12 apostles left alive. He's the only one, from what we know of history, the only one who probably died a natural death. All of the other 12, uh, including Matthias, as far as we know from history, were all martyred. They were all killed. Not that they didn't try and kill John. Uh, from what I understand, they tried boiling him in oil. Can you imagine that? I uh, had a uh, short experience, very short, back in the first McDonald's restaurant. I worked in, I was coming around the corner carrying some stuff up to the grill and I slipped on the floor and one hand went into the deep fryer for the french fries. Uh, it went in fast. I can tell you my reactions were pretty good. It came out quicker than it went in. And boy, did that hurt. I do, it was probably part of a second that my hand was in the deep fryer. I can't imagine that over my whole body or even most of it. It just boggles my feeble brain. But John is writing with a wealth of experience. He's a man who walked and talked with the Lord Jesus. During Jesus' public ministry, John was one of the inner circle. It was Peter, James, and John. That would have been the James, the brother of John and the sons of Zebedee, fishermen, not the James of the epistle to James. But John liked to relate to people and he was always trying to talk, it seems, and deal with people on a very personal basis. Let's go back to verse 1 again. The elder, at this point in his life, he would have been older. From what we know, he was possibly as much as 90 years old when the book of Revelation was written. The average lifespan for a man back then was under 40 years. So he had lived more than two normal lifetimes at that point. He was also an elder because he had been a pastor. Unto the elect lady and her children, as I said, I believe this is probably a uh, specific individual. He does not name her. It's possible that 2nd and 3rd John are written to people in the same church. I, uh, because of the way the letters are set up, and at the end he talks in both of them that he would have to set aside paper and ink, but he wants to come and see these people face to face. And then he goes on and he says, Whom I love in the truth. Truth and love go hand in hand. 
Today it's fairly common to hear the phrase, well, that's my truth. But the only true truth is God's truth. That is the only truth we can rely on. Where do we get that? Right here in this book. I am highly partial to the King James Bible. Some of you that know me know that. But John says that he loves this individual and her family in the truth. Love and truth go hand in hand. But he expands on that and says, And not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. He said, everybody that knows the truth, everybody that knows the Lord Jesus Christ, remember Jesus said, I am, in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so he's saying, all the people that know the Lord Jesus and know you, love you as well. Isn't it nice to be loved? How many people out there in life that we run into on a daily basis feel as though they're all alone and nobody loves them? Well, isn't that give us an opportunity to try and show some of God's love to them? Never can tell when you will reach somebody by just a cup of cold water. It can be anything, a kind word. Ever been standing in line at uh, Walmart? Although some of them are going away from cashiers now. But anyway, you've been standing in line at a grocery store or some other store, TJ Maxx or whatever the place is, and somebody gets complaining, I got to go, I got to go, I got to get this done. Why can't we just get through with it? Have you ever thought of uh, trying to interject a little bit of sanity and a little bit of love and peace in that situation? Verse 2, for the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. The truth's sake, you could say for Jesus' sake, because he is the truth. And he dwells in us. That means that we have been born again. Being born again is not some feeling that, oh, my life just opened up. I've been in jail for the last 30 days because they brought me in here. Or I couldn't even walk. I had had too much alcohol to drink. And I got out of jail and seems like my whole world has opened up. And yes, the bar is my next stop. I've talked to a number of people like that. But we can reach people with God's truth and God's love. Then he says, grace be with you. Grace is a very common New Testament greeting. Mercy, something we certainly don't deserve as sinners but sure do appreciate it when we get it, don't we? And peace, 
a very common Hebrew greeting from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. John is very specific here. He's relating God the Father and God the Son together. What was one of the major issues that the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees had with the Lord Jesus and his public ministry? Oh, yeah, we worship God. We follow God. We're sons of Abraham. And they go through this, all this stuff. And Jesus said, but I and the Father are one. You can say that you follow the Father, but if you don't follow the Son, is there any truth and love in you? Think about that one. He writes, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. I'm a parent. Don and I have two boys. They're grown up. We have seven grandkids. Three in South Carolina, one of whom is married. No great-grandkids yet. Maybe one of these days. And we have four grandkids in Oklahoma. Don and I always appreciate hearing from our grandkids or hearing about how they're doing. Our oldest granddaughter is married in South Carolina. She and her husband, Matthew, this is the third time they put in an offer on a house and it has been accepted. We'll see if they get to closing. The first two times it got shut down, no closing. But Donna and I are always happy to see that our boys, our daughter-in-laws, and our grandkids are following God. They read their Bibles, they pray, they attend church whenever possible. Uh, Our oldest son is a state trooper and he works every other weekend and it kind of makes it difficult when you're working a 7A to 7P shift to get to church. But then if he works the weekend, he's sometimes off on Wednesdays. That depends on his schedule. But he's... John writes, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. We are to walk, we are to live our lives according to what God has asked of us. Sometimes you will, in Scripture, you'll find the term walketh with an E-T-H at the end. Whenever you see the ETH at the end of a word like walk or whatever, do, it it means it's something that is going on for a long time. It's for a period of time. It's not just a flash in the pan. It's just not a one-time occurrence. It's something that is consistent. Verse 5, and now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee. John says, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Sometimes when I read stuff like this, I wonder, is it possible that uh, John 
is feeling some of the effects of age. It's possible this lady is as well. You know, as you get older, your memory doesn't work as good as it used to 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, or whatever the case may be. But he goes on and says, But that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. How can we love other people? Number one, we can pray for them. Two, we can talk to them. Three, we can encourage them. Four, we can thank them. Don't we all like to be thanked for things? How many times have you adults gone, you know, the job I have is a thankless job. It's been a long time since somebody thanked me for doing my job. So, looking at it from the other perspective, when we're out uh, at a restaurant, if we're out at a uh, store shopping, whatever the case may be, try and thank people more often than we already do. You may uh, brighten up somebody's life that way. Verse 6, and this is love, that we walk after his commandments. There's a lot of ways we can walk. I was talking to my best friend from college because we have our 50th college reunion this summer. Doesn't seem that long ago. He won't be able to go because his wife is in a wheelchair. He needs to take care of her and transporting her from southern Tennessee to the UP of Michigan is a bit of a problem. But the way we walk, the way we operate our lives, the, the things we do, we're supposed to walk after God's commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. Follow Jesus' footprints. I'm assuming many of you are familiar with that poem, Footprints, where there's two footprints, two sets of footprints, and then there's one set. I believe it ends at at the end, that's when God was carrying us because we couldn't do it ourselves. Isn't it a blessing and a help when God gets you through difficult times? If you've lived any length of time, you know that there are difficulties in life. One of the things that I have mentioned and I've talked to couples that are engaged or thinking of getting married and I normally say, this person that you're considering getting married to, they're going to see you an awful lot. They will see you at probably some of the best times in your life. Those are always the good ones, right? But they will probably also see you at the lowest spots, at the most troubled parts in your life as well. Do you want to open up yourself to that person and have them go through life with you Seen too many situations where a difficulty comes up, 
And the husband can't put up with the wife, or the wife can't put up with the husband, or they can't put up with themselves and each other. And what do you wind up with? Broken marriage, a divorce. But we need to make sure that we walk in love. Verse 7, we get to an important issue. John says here, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. The antichrist is going to be coming in the world? I don't know. The antichrist may be alive today. But deceivers... Try and deceive others, don't they? In the process, don't they wind up deceiving themselves as well? You ever look back on your life and you go, well, I was trying to do something and I was trying to deceive somebody else about it and I wound up trying to deceive myself and that was a really bad move. John goes on, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, that we receive a full reward. You can't get to heaven on your works. It'll never work. The only way to get to heaven is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we will be judged on our works. It's not where we're going to spend eternity. It's not who we're going to spend eternity with. It's more on how we're going to spend eternity and the rewards or loss of rewards. Somebody that gets saved at 7 o'clock on a Tuesday night and is dead at 8.30 hasn't had a whole lot of time to do many things. But if you were six when you got saved, you lived to be 99, you've got a long life that you can work for God. Verse 9, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. God the Father and God the Son are important here once again. John is reminding people that if you have one, you have the other. He uses the word transgresseth, abideth, that E-T-H ending. You've been doing this for a long time. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. Me personally, and I'm not saying this is something that you, everybody has, should do, but me personally, because I have a, a strong Jehovah's Witness in my background, I will never let a Jehovah's Witness that comes knocking on my door into my house. For any reason, I have run into a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses and one of their standard practices 
If they happen to show up at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning at your house and they can get in a good long discussion with you, guess what? They want to come in and share a meal with you. Bad plan. Uh, We lived in Salt Lake for 10 years, knew many, many Mormons, folks the LDS church. Whenever I had uh, missionaries come to our house, I always sat out on the front porch and talked to them outside, even in the wintertime. I wasn't going to have them into my house when they were trying to spread their false doctrine. Verse 11, For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. The issue back then wasn't Jehovah's Witnesses and LDS because both of those organizations come from the middle part of the 1800s, the 19th century. But they had false teachers traveling around from church to church to try and get people uh, under their wing. You find a little reference to part of that in Corinthians when Paul says, Some say that I am of Apollos and, you know, I am of Peter and all those different groups. Not that Apollos and Peter were bad people, but it's the same basic concept. We don't need to help them out, put them up for the night, buy gas for them to get them on their way, all kinds of other things. We get to verse 12, having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you, speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The last little over a year, we've had this uh, little COVID-19 situation, and how many people have been pretty much marooned in their homes for much of that time, they don't get out? for one reason or another. And a few of them have told me, Mark, it's like being in jail. They don't like it. I talked to my mother the other day, who I'm planning on seeing, hopefully on Monday, June 7th, when I'm in Wisconsin, when Don and I are there, we'd like to go see my mom. And she, ever since she's been in the assisted living unit she's in. She says, this is like jail. I want to get out. I want to go home. She wants to, my mom likes to see people and speak face to face. Many other people like that as well. Basically as people, although some of us tend to be more loners than others, But we still like to see people once in a while, don't we? And talk to them and interact and find out what's going on in their lives. If they're fellow believers, find out what God's doing in their life. John is saying the same thing. And then he closes with the children of thy elect sister, greet thee. And then he says, amen. So if this epistle is written to a certain lady in whatever church she's in. She apparently has a saved sister 
and her children want in on this greeting via the Apostle John. You ever stop to think, what would it be like if you knew the Apostle John personally, he came to your house? Any of the 12 apostles? What about if Jesus came to your house? Mary and Martha and Lazarus? I mean, wouldn't that be a life-changing situation? What would you do? If Jesus showed up, what would you say to him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day you've given us, for the opportunity to be here at Eastside Baptist Church this Wednesday evening. Father, as we read your word, we pray that each of us would learn and grow from it. We would make the applications that we know all too well to ourselves. As I did in asking myself two questions, do I talk about Jesus enough? The sad answer is no. And do I talk about me too much? Most definitely. Maybe we need to learn a lesson from the Apostle John. He walked and talked with the Lord. He was there at the beginning of a day. He was there through the middle of the day. He was there through the end of the day. And what did John want to do with his life? Just talk about Jesus. Remember, we need to do all this in truth and love. Father, help us to walk in the steps that you want us to walk in. That we can speak truth and we can speak that truth in love. That we can be a help, a blessing, and encouragement to the people we come into contact with. That they don't look at us when we're coming and go, run! That they are happy to see us because they know we'll have something good for them to think about. Father, we pray that you would work in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.